He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad! Oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Colby Powell, Taylor Williams, Sam Humphreys, Jim Woodward with you on a Tuesday. Wait until Tuesday to record this week because there was a lot going on yesterday. Golf's longest day, U.S. Open qualifiers around the country as the field is set at the Country Club uh, Brookline next week for the U.S. Open. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but the big news yesterday was Phil Mickelson living his best life to the tune of about $200 million. He also spoke, uh, I don't know if I would say candidly, but he spoke about his gambling addiction. Uh, So it was kind of interesting to hear from Phil yesterday, Sam. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously around here, a lot of people will care about Ricky Fowler also going over there. I watched a podcast that Ricky Fowler was on called the Full Sim Podcast. Uh, You know, they've had a few good guests on there. But Ricky was basically saying last week, he's like, hey, you know, I'm going to wait and see how it goes. He didn't wait very long, Colby. Is is he official? (laughs) I mean, is is it official? I I saw Rich Lerner's tweet. He's not in the... He's not in the field at this tournament. I know, but he, I saw Rich Lerner's tweet that it's imminent, uh, and he said that Phil was imminent as well, and Phil is in the field. So we'll see on Ricky, but I, I think he is going over there as well. Um, but, yeah, guys, by the way, so we have Phil that has $200 million from the Saudis. The Saudis offered Tiger high nine figures, high nine figures, almost a billion dollars. These guys have money coming out of their butts. Um, but Phil, you know, uh, no surprise, right? And and kind of another, I'm sorry, but not sorry apology, right, Colby? <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, a lot of that. Taylor, what do you think of Phil yesterday, the, the live stuff and the gambling stuff? Yeah, I, I think that it, it's kind of what we expected, right, guys? I mean, what, what's Phil going to come out and say? Give a, a daily itinerary of what he's done to, to try to help with his gambling problem? No, I, I don't think that's what's going to happen, and I think one of the more interesting things to see, guys, is, yes, he's playing golf this week. Are we going to hear from him? I mean, is there, is there going to be some situation where he does a press conference or anything like that? We have no idea how these lift tournaments are going to work. So it, it's going to be very, very intriguing to see just what – I mean, I think that's what makes this live event so entertaining is just to see what happens with Phil. Is he not only just on the golf side of it, but what's going to happen off the course? Are we going to hear any words from him and all that? So – but after I heard the $200 million mark from, from Phil and, and obviously the Tiger rumors upwards of a billion dollars, my first thought was, let's just let's just live in a hypothetical world and let's just say that every single player who the Saudis offered took it. How much money would they have spent on these guys? <laughs> oh, I mean, my God. Because think about, like, if let's just say Rory went. Let's say JT went. Let's say Morikawa, Hovland, Wolf, all these other guys went. How much money would have been spent over the course to get these guys out there? I mean, I feel like, like, yeah, everyone says the Saudis have unlimited money, but, I mean, good God. I mean, can you run out if you run out of $8 billion or whatever they want to give? So, I don't know, Woody. It's just We keep asking these questions. Well, how in the world could these guys go over here and do the sports washing and all this? Well, I think $200 million, $125 million, and Tiger declining a billion dollars says enough, Woody. Well, and, and, and we're not done. Uh, I mean, all those guys you mentioned, um, uh, you know, before we went on the air, guys, we talked. Uh, 
what's the timeline on this tour before we figure out it's going to make it or not make it? And if it doesn't make it, then we got lawsuits. We got a lot of fun stuff to talk about. If it does make it, what do we do then? How, how does this work out? They're going to still have that money. It's not going away. So it, it is, it is the cool thing about it. It's good news, bad news. It's, it's bad news because we got this going on in a lot of ways, but it's good news because it's going to change golf. I'm telling you, in the next five years, guys, we're going to see a lot different thing in golf as far as that goes, okay? So, uh, shock was filled. No, we all knew that was coming. And uh, I thought he might get more than $200 million just between you guys and me. I thought they might throw around three or $400 million at him. So, oh, wow. Hold on to your jock strap, as they say, because this is going to get interesting. 100%. And, guys, I mean, we talked about whether we're going to watch this or not. Now I am absolutely going to watch this. It's going to be on Facebook and YouTube and the Live Golf website. I, I mean, I think it. I think it's must-watch, not TV, but must-watch must streaming, right, Colby? And, and to me, I mean, I'm watching it, number one, to see if these guys say anything, and number two – yeah, what interviews are we gonna gonna have from these guys? Right, there, there were some press conferences this morning. I'll say, I mean, whether it's must watch depends on where you stand. For me, I still have no interest. I want to see what the TV broadcast looks like. I don't. I have no interest in the golf because to me, there's no stakes. There's no history. There's no legacy. There's no stakes. The money to me, that's not a high enough stake. That's not enticing enough for me to watch. Right. I mean, I was watching a hockey game last night because there were stakes. I like sports with stakes on them. So there's yep. no stakes in these golf tournaments. So which for me as a fan kind of puts me off a little bit. Um, but you know, I'm very curious to see what the actual broadcast product looks like on YouTube and yep. on Facebook, I mean, can, can you put out a, a top-quality broadcast? I, I do think at some point a network will pick this up. Yep. My, my guess is that the networks are going to let a few events play out, let all of the initial outrage and all that stuff die down, and then a network's going to jump on it to televise it, thinking that they can can get some viewers. T-Dub and Woody, I'm curious. I'll ask T-Dub first. Obviously, they're going to do shotgun starts at 2 p.m., uh, for pretty much every tournament, and then they're going to have like a concert after, before. I don't know how it works. Real, real quick, but, do you know, is that 2 p.m. local for every event? So like, is it going to be 2 p.m. London time, and it's going to be, what would that be, 8, 8 a.m. our time? Something I, like that? I'm not sure. I, I would have to look that up. Um, but I do know that the ones in the United States, they were planning on doing 2 p.m. Afternoon tea times. Yeah, yeah. It, and a shotgun start. Just golf-wise, let's take all the other crap out of this, T-Dub. Just golf-wise, would you like to have a shotgun start at 2 p.m. every single time you tee it up? From a from a player's perspective, absolutely not. I, I absolutely I despise shotgun starts with an absolute passion. It was I hated those when we played high school and college tournaments. They were the absolute worst. It's like you have no idea what hole you start on, and the and I'm being a course architect, kind of in an alternate reality myself. That's the whole point of a damn golf course. It's designed what holes are laid out. So when you start in the middle of it, it doesn't make any sense. Um, I'll say this. I think that the Saudis doing that, you know, they're trying to do all, you know, they're trying to add the team element to it. They're doing the 54 holes instead of 72. So they're, they're trying different things. And apparently from what all the PJ Tour guys say, they're not going to have any rules over there. So I think that's <laughs> going to be pretty interesting to see what happens on that avenue. But, I don't know, Woody. I'm kind of I'm kind of opposite of Colby. I'm kind of intrigued to see the golf. We got Phil, we got DJ, Louie, 
Um, uh, TG, uh, Sergio's in the field. Even I'm not going to throw Kevin Nall in there, but he's probably the next best player. I'm interested to see how these guys play, and I'm also interested to see what the course looks like because whenever you got a new tour on there, that's one thing that people don't take into consideration, guys, is that, yeah, just because you're playing what is considered a professional golf tournament doesn't mean you're playing on a good course at all. So I, I know that once they come to the United States, then the courses they have listed, like Pumpkin Ridge, obviously a good course. But I'm interested to see what the course looks like, Woody. And I'm, I'm like I said, I just drew a quote. I'm kind of interested to see what the play looks like. Well, and, and it's what Kobe said earlier, that there, there's really nothing at stake. So these guys, really, there's not – it's not a lot of pressure. It's not a big pressure situation. Other than trying to win $4 million, it's probably a little bit of pressure. Uh I, I thought was interesting. There's two things I read this week that I thought was kind of interesting about this. Uh, Jerry Foltz, a buddy of mine for years with Golf Channel left and has come on board to do some of the uh, announcing. It sounds like he's in a booth where he used to always be on the foot. So he he's taken a big jump there. Uh, not that he was a superstar on the Golf Channel by any stretch of the imagination. It's not like they stole Brandel Chambly over there, but he he does add a little bit of something of, 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 of some history of a guy that knows a lot about golf and has done a lot of broadcasts. The other thing that I was shocked at, did you guys realize they're paying for everybody to fly over there? They're paying. These golfers aren't paying for anything. The, the, like Taylor, I don't know. We, we probably need to get him on and find out how many people they're flying over there. But you can bet it's first class all the way. And so there's another thing that, I know this sounds kind of stupid, but we, we, we talk about a, a tour pro always has to pay his own way and do his own thing. Mm-hmm. Not in this tour. These guys are these guys are paying full dollars. And does that mean the caddies get 10% and a win? Uh, Taylor Gooch's caddy's got to be really excited if he thinks he's going to get a $400,000 paycheck. I heard something about the caddies that they're doing it a little different, that they're just getting paid straight fees. Like and it's okay. they're getting taken care of. I hope I, it's not. I hope it's not a Matt Kuchar straight fee. No, 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 no. I I, I heard that it's good. <laughs> I, I doubt that. I, I don't know the specifics, but I did hear that it's good. Um, like money wise for the for the caddies. Right. Um, but T Dub, I I did want to weigh in on the shotgun starts. I there's two positives to me on it. Is number one, I think it'll be cool to watch for TV from a fan's perspective. Um, and number two, I think that it's kind of a cool idea. Everyone has the same wave of weather. Um, and obviously, um, you know, the afternoon tea times are a plus to me. I, I always liked afternoon tea times, especially when it's a shotgun start because, you know, everyone, it's not like you're going to have 100 guys walking on the greens before you, you know, go play, right? It, it, you're all teeing off at the same time. Um, so, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be an interesting thing. I think you could possibly see, um, like when the U.S. Open was on Fox, right? They they brought in, you know, they made the Pro Tracer famous, right, on Fox, right? And, and then we kind of adopted the good things, took out the bad things, like the little robot uh, RC car that was driving down the fairway, right? So, we're going to adopt the good things from um, the live on the PGA Tour if they're smart, uh, and kind of get rid of the bad things, right? Yeah, I mean, I do think that the yeah, live I, is going to do some things. Taylor, I will say, though, I just wanted to weigh in on the shotgun start thing. It's 
the convenience factor from a time and all that stuff I get, but I'm like, Taylor, I want to start on number one and play, especially in a tournament, because the course is meant to be played a certain way. I, I mean, agree they, with they, that. So I, I just, I, I'm with you there, Taylor. I find it very weird if I start a round I, of golf on the seventh hole. Although I will say the leaders will be teeing off number one uh, on the last day. On the last day, true. So, I mean, I guess that's a, a benefit for, for playing well the first couple of days is you get to tee off on one. But, uh, yeah, Taylor, teeing off in the middle of the course just always, it just made me feel weird going into my round. No, you're right. Well, and, and, you know, you guys both make really good points there, and I'll, I'll say this part of it, too. It, you know, we talk about this on the PGA Tour a lot of times, right? How often does the, the winner come from the, uh, the, as the, as the leader after 54 holes and wins? So we get in a situation where a guy in the second or third or last group, we're watching them win the tournament on number two or number three or number one. It's like that just seems so weird to me. But I, I'll say from two different viewers' perspective, you'll have, well, if you're a degenerate like me and would watch golf every single minute of the day, then you would prefer for guys to tee off early at 8 a.m. and then have some guys tee off at 2 and just watch them play all day. But if you're just sitting down for, you know, like most of the time when you watch an NFL game, it's what, three and, a, three and a half hours long or whatever. And so now if you're just sitting down to watch a golf tournament, you're going to be able to get to watch every single player at the same time from 2 p.m. till 7 p.m. or whatever it is. So, from from a depending on what kind of viewership you like, there are benefits to it. It's just if I had to choose one or the other, I would probably choose to not do shotgun. But I absolutely see where why they're doing it. I, I just think that it's maybe one of those things to where they're just trying everything different. Like Sam mentioned, right? Where we're bringing the little robot out on the fairway, like the RC car or whatever. Maybe not the best idea in the world, but they tried it to be different. And so I think the live in a lot of areas tried to do that. And I guess it'll work out for him, I think, from the opinion from viewership. It's just if I was a player type of thing, I wouldn't care. But if they're paying me $125 million, I'd tee up on the 19th hole. I don't care, guys. I will say that the Live right now with not as many big names on the Live Tour, it'll be easier to watch uh, from a fans on you know streaming or TV, whatever, uh, perspective. Um, because there's not too many guys that they're going to have to cover, right? If, if there were, you know, 50 big names in the tournament, a shotgun start, you're going to miss a lot of golf, right? Do you see what I'm saying? Like, we're going to actually get to see quite a bit of golf still um, because they're probably going to follow DJ Phil, maybe Taylor, Kevin Knott. You know, they, they're still going to follow those guys, but there's not, you know, 15 of those big names in the golf tournament. Do you see what I'm saying? It's easier to watch with a shotgun start when there's less big names. Yeah, so speaking of the names and the teams, did y'all see the team names come out this morning? No, I didn't. All right, so no. let's, uh, so let's take a minute and, and let's make fun of the team names because <laughs> – it, it's good stuff. And it's really us, good tell stuff. Tell us who's on the team. Okay, so this is how it works. Because so, I don't know. So all we have right now is team captains and team names. Okay. Tonight, they are going to have a draft, and they'll draft the members of their teams. Now On air? No. What? No media. No media is even being allowed in there for the draft. It's That's the first L. I don't uh, understand. I don't understand. No media allowed in for the draft. That's and the then best let part of the NBA All-Star game is I, the draft. I can't make it make sense. It's, it's like the one thing that's unique to what they're doing is the draft. Yeah. And they're not going to show us the draft. I feel I, like Phil would have. If Phil wasn't, you know, under the microscope so much right now, Phil would have thrived in this. I mean, right? who, who knows? Maybe they'll just throw a Facebook link out at like 6 o'clock and be like, draft's here. But we do know that media are not going to be in the room for the draft. Okay. So I'm assuming that we're not going to have access to it. But here are the 12 captains. Famous for treating journalists well. But here are the 12 captains. Dustin Johnson, Graham McDowell, <laughs> Ian Poulter, Kevin Na, Louis Oosthuizen, Martin Keimer, Peter Uline. He's a captain? Yep. Phil Mickelson, Sergio Garcia, 
Siwon Kim is a captain. Not Siwoo. Siwon Kim okay. is a captain. Taylor Gooch is a captain. And Wade Ormsby is a captain. <laughs> Who is that? You got to tell me. How high? Uh, Wade Ormsby. Ormsby. <laughs> Hashtag how high? Wade Ormsby. Here we go. Everybody, everybody oh, throw a guess. God. Woody, Woody, you're up first. Give, give me a guess on Wade Ormsby. How high did he get in the world rankings? Lord. Uh, <laughs> what? Um, do you know who he is? Three, th- three hundred? No, I do not. Uh, okay. Three hundred? Three hundred? A good guess? I give me a two sixty-nine. That's why this one's fun because we have no idea. Taylor, <laughs> how high? He, if he's a captain and and all that, he has to have been one of those guys who sneakily got in the top one hundred at some point. So give me sixty-nine flip. Give me ninety-six. Uh, Taylor was remarkably close. His wow. best official world golf ranking position was 97th. Okay. Uh, he is currently, <laughs> that would have been back, it looks like, in like 2017. He's currently the 265th ranked Has player. Has he won a tournament? In the world. Boy, I would have to scroll a long way down. <laughs> uh, best performances. Here we okay. go. Uh, in 2017, okay, so whenever he got his, his highest ranking ever, he won the UBS Hong Kong Open, which is okay. an Asian Tour, DP World Tour dual event uh, in 2017. Other than that, it looks like Asian Tour events and then a couple DP stuff back in, uh, uh, oh, wait, no. No, just just the one DP and then two Asian Tour events right. in his career. But here, we wanted to get hey, to the team he, names. Hey, wait a minute. Didn't he win the Shawnee shootout? What? what? Is that the APT event? I don't think he got in the field. I don't think he got in the field. No, I, I, don't think I didn't qualified. know if he was serious. I, I didn't know if he was playing on the APT at one point. <laughs> I, I don't think he qualified for the Shawnee shootout. He uh, he missed it in the playoff. Uh, all right, here's the team name. Here's the team names. <clears throat> we'll start with Dustin Johnson's team. Is named Four Aces. Okay. Okay. Graham McDowell's team is That's named Bill Team. well played woody very well played oh Oh, man all right so now now let's start getting a little weird graham mcdowell's team is named the niblicks i maybe niblicks it's got to be something english right a niblick no no that's a golf club yeah it's old golf club club. okay okay niblick was an old golf club that the scottish players played with okay so niblicks in polter is the majestics but the end of the word is spelled s-t-i-c-k-s like sticks so majestics Majestics. yeah i like it that's very cool yeah so kevin naw nothing to do with walking in putts shockingly his team name is Ironheads. (laughs) <laughs> what iron heads okay. okay um i don't know if they just these were just like randomly generated on a computer <laughs> i don't know if they got to pick louis Ustazen, right. his team is stinger okay which okay that's i All mean right. yeah you know martin keimer cliques what is that i i don't anybody cliques i don't know about a c-l-e-e-k-s cliques Look, look, look this up. I, I mean, I have I no mean, idea. I don't know. Hold on. I have I'll no idea. Like leaking a shoe? I don't know. I have no Please. idea. Google it. So, Sam, Sam will Google it while we uh, go down to Peter Uline. His team's the Crushers. So very, very American, very bland from, from Uline. Phil Mickelson's team is the High Flyers, and High is spelled H-Y. I'm not sure what the significance of the H-Y is, but High Flyers for Phil's team. You got anything on cliques, Sam? Uh, Chiefly Scott? You look perplexed. A Chiefly Scott? A Chiefly Scott. There we go. Uh, to, uh, well, that clears that up. Suddenly eager to snatch? I don't know. 
I don't wow. know. Sergio Anyways. Garcia. Sergio Garcia's team is na- is named Fireballs, okay. which is <laughs> that could be beneficial to him later by on. Fireball. Yeah, that would be electric. I don't believe it is the the logo for the Fireballs team I saw earlier is. I, I mean, it very much looks like a third grader made it in word art. It's like a golf ball with flames around it. It's it's phenomenal. Uh, Siwon Kim. Siwon Kim's team name is Smash. Just, okay. just Smash. Uh, Taylor Gooch's team name is Torque. Okay. So, yeah, there's that. Team Torque. And then Wade Ormsby's team name is Punch. So I don't know if that's fruit this punch. This is very European. Punch bowl. Uh, I mean, yeah, a, a lot of this stuff I would imagine will be very European as very few Americans are. So, I mean, a small portion of the field is actually American. Wait, Phil's not a captain? No, he is. His team was the High Flyers. You were oh, Googling the Oh, the High the Flyers. Okay, okay. Yeah, you were Googling the cleats. I, I like that one. So we're Team Torque, right? Um, I, I mean. Taylor's team, Team Torque. I guess. What is, what is the significance of the team? Here's what I don't understand. So you, you have a team aspect throughout the regular season, but the teams change at every event because uh, the field is going to change at every event. It's not going to be the same 48 change? guys. Yeah, it'll be a different field. It'll be a different captains. I'm sure the top guys will be captains at every event. So do you get paid a bonus at the end if you are on the most team wins or I, whatever? I have no idea, but here's my question. How does the team work? Is it drop th- or it's, play three, so, drop so one? So the first two rounds, you take two, drop two. And then the third and final round, you take three scores and you drop one score. Okay. So, and considering we've got some guys in this field that are well outside the top thousand in the official world golf ranking, <laughs> you might need to drop a score or two here and there. <laughs> That's why they're not counting them all. That's why they're doing two on Thursday and Friday. But Taylor, I don't know, maybe because I've read some about this and I can't figure this out. The final event of the season, the eighth event down in Miami, is a four-day team match play concept. And it's for the team championship. So how are they incorporating the regular season team standings into the team championship if the teams change every event? It's it's an aspect of the, the format that I'm very confused on. Yeah, I guess it, w- it would be like an NBA team. You know, we just trade Kevin Durant every week to a different team. And then at the end of the year, we're just trying to figure out. Well, that, that's every offseason, Taylor. That's not every week. That's every offseason. That, that's where the difference is. So. I don't know, guys. Maybe the thing I'm thinking of is, I guess you have, like, like if you're on a winning team, maybe you get certain points. So maybe there's a point system for how the teams do. So like, for example, if you're on the winning team, everyone gets 100 points or something like that. Then at the end, at the top, how many ever get captains? I just want to say everything I'm saying here is just spitballing what I think would happen because I'm like you, Colby. haven't been able to find anything either. In all honesty, guys, this is the kind of way I see it. I don't know if the Saudis know how they want to do it. I mean, I think that they're just kind of going to play the eight events or whatever, the seven events. And, uh, and go from there then see. But I don't know. It just seems like kind of like you're saying, they're kind of piecing everything together. And it seems like a lot of this stuff is being done so fast. You know, it, it's, it's almost like they waited till the, the Masters and PJ Championship were done so we could get to these, to the U.S. Open and the British Open, considering that they're actually opens and may have a little bit better of a legal standpoint for the guys uh, um, to play. So, yeah, I agree with you, Colby. I think that it's just we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how it's going to happen, how it's going to do it. But I'm interested to see what they decide to do. And then I think it'll be more interesting to see, well, you know, if, if they do go through this first year and it is somewhat successful, are they going to keep the same structure and everything the same the next year that they do it? Or are they going to try to tweak things up? That's kind of what I'm most look forward to besides, the you know, what players come down along the line. That's what I'm looking for big picture-wise, guys. 
Yeah, and I think something that our listeners can look forward to is when their Groove It Brush shows up in the mailbox. Go to GrooveItBrush.com, GrooveItBrush.com. Use the promo code 73RDHOLE for 10% off. It is quite possibly the finest golf club cleaner ever made. The water goes right in the brush. You put it on the club face. Your clubs have never been cleaner. You've never hit it straighter. You've never hit it further. GrooveItBrush.com, promo code 73RDHOLE for 10% off. Guys, we've got some breaking news. This is two minutes ago on Twitter as we are recording. Recording this podcast tweet from Tiger Woods. It reads, I previously informed the USGA that I will not be competing in the U.S. Open as my body needs more time to get stronger for major championship golf. I do hope and plan to be ready to play in Ireland at the J.P. McManus Pro-Am and the Open Championship next month. I'm excited to get back out there soon. I I don't know that this is a huge shock after seeing how badly he struggled on that Saturday at Southern Hills before withdrawing. Uh, But Woody, your, your thoughts, Tiger out of the U.S. Open and and says that he plans and hopes, the word hope now, has been tossed in to uh, the J.P. McManus Open and the Open Championship next month. Your thoughts on Tiger? Well, he, he has got to be really hurt more than we thought because, like I said before, he's running out of times that he can play in majors. Uh, I mean, the clock is definitely ticking and for him to skip one he has got to really be hurt. That's the only thing I can imagine because I just couldn't imagine him not trying, but he just, he is not there yet. We want him to be there, but he's not there yet. Yeah, guys, I mean, selfishly having him at Southern Hills was awesome, but I think it was possibly a mistake from Tiger to play at Southern Hills. And, you know, watching him, especially on the first couple days, just one of the greatest, grittiest performances to make the cut at the PGA. But, man, watching him walk up that hill, especially on Friday, I I mean, especially on Thursday, um, walking up the hill on number nine, I mean, I thought he was going to withdraw then. And then he goes on to make the cut and then eventually withdraws because his body just did not look right whatsoever. I think he may have worn himself out a little bit Monday through Wednesday, um, of that week, I I just think that this is a good decision from Tiger for right now. I mean, I I don't see a world Taylor where you know we 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 see Tiger compete in a major until he's able to play you know a couple of PGA Tour events before a major. I you know guys, this is the way I see it because I'm not shocked by the news. I'm not. Um, if if you would have said if you would have looked back on it, let's just say right after the Masters, and if you would have said well, is he more likely to play the PGA Championship or the U.S. Open? I would have probably thought the U.S. Open in a sense, you know, if he was going to bait between the two. Um, but it does it does all add up because he has wanted to play St. Andrews. He's noted that since Augusta. And so if he plays the, the U.S. Open with how everything is now, with all the, the majors being essentially a month apart from each other, I mean, that, that's, that's a lot of golf in that stretch. And we also got to admit the U.S. Open is, is the toughest test in golf, and it's it's probably whenever you add up every major that Tiger has left, that's probably the least likely one that he has a chance to just because he's not the best off the tee or not near as good as he used to be off the tee. So, but I, you know, just adding on to what Sam said there as well, how blessed and lucky, lucky we were to get to see Tiger at Southern after hearing this, and he's not going to play U.S. Open. I, I, I'm, I am so belated with, with happiness now knowing that I got, to, to see him play and got to be within a two feet away from him, watch him hit balls again, because just like what he said, the clock is ticking guys and who knows how much more he'll get to play. The fact that we got to saw what we did was truly remarkable. And 
Also, like Sam said, just the grittiness to be able to make the cut that we could list off the guys who didn't make the cut at that tournament is pretty stellar stuff. And he made the cut in both both majors, the Masters and the U.S. Or Masters and PJ Championship, with essentially one and a half legs. I mean, just truly remarkable stuff, Colby. And I, I just hope that we are able to see him at St. Andrews. Yeah, I hope so too. And I, I think that we will. That's kind of. I mean, he committed to that as soon as the round at the Masters was over. I, I almost wonder, guys, the uh, the practice area video of Tiger Woods at Southern Hills where he stepped in the hole and his leg, he, he appeared to have two or three knees on his leg, all bending in oh. different directions as he stepped in that hole. It gives me chills replaying it in my head. I, I mean, Was it even a hole or did his leg just buckle? I, I thought his leg just I, buckled. I, I, I thought he stepped in a little bit of a hole, but maybe it was just his leg buckling, but... I don't know. Maybe just that. I mean, it did, it that, did didn't damage. Look good. It, it looked bad. And but even before that, Colby, that was yeah. on the weekend. Yeah. I mean, that he was, was Saturday morning. I think. Yeah, he was looking terrible. You know, especially on Thursday, Friday, it was a little better day for him, right? Remember, I mean, when he was maybe it was just Tiger being otherworldly trying to make the cut. He was but just he, grinding to make the cut, but he, but he looked a little better yeah. physically. And then I, I think he also went into a different zone mentally yeah. to kind of block it out because. Right. I mean, if anybody can access that different zone mentally for 25 years now, it's been him. But to me, as a Tiger fan, you know, I, I don't know many Tiger fans bigger than I am. I am, you know, happy that he's not playing in the U.S. Open. I want him to I get I right. Agree. I want him to get right before we see him again. One thing you guys got to remember with Tiger Woods, and I'm, I'm speaking for him, which I probably have no business. <laughs> he doesn't play majors to make a cut. Uh, that's something Woody did. Um I don't. I don't see him. If if at some point, guys, if he doesn't think he can really win these events, our days of seeing him are very, very much are slim to none. Is what it is. So, I hope like heck he gets as healthy as he possibly can, and he can be competitive. Because if not, we're going to be going one day when we're doing this. There'll be a Twitter release that says he's officially retired. Colby, I would be shocked, though, if we didn't see him at the British Open. Yeah, I think I would, too, because it's St. Andrews. Yeah, exactly, and it's an easier course to walk. He loves that golf course. I, I would be shocked if we didn't see him, T-Dub. Well, if we don't see him at, if we don't see him at uh, British Open, guys, it's serious. We got a real problem. Yeah, yeah. most definitely. That, that would be at the point to where I would agree with what Colby is saying and the fact that he had to re-injure something for it to yeah. be that long. Right, um, right. Because it, and that's what we talked about this whole time, right? Even leading up to the Masters, it was, well, he could just – just because he's getting better doesn't mean he's not going to re-aggravate something. So that's always something that's in the playbook, guys. But I absolutely agree. I'm actually – a little bit happy he's not playing at Brookline because I didn't think he had a chance in hell of winning anyway. Yeah. So definitely not there. But I do think that just from what I saw, if he is healthy, we've, we've seen him win twice at St. Andrews. There's no reason for me to think it wouldn't be a third. Oh, wow. Okay, that's From the uh, top rope. Tito, you Whew, might need to put five bucks on that right now. <laughs> if you feel oh, he's that not confident. playing the damn U.S. Open. I'm saying if he's healthy and he could play. I'm saying that if, if all the courses that he would play in the – if you could put Tiger on three courses in the world, would you pick three over St. Andrews for him to win that? No, you're right. That's that, that was the point I was trying to make. No, I'm not going to bet on him to win the damn tournament. <laughs> okay, but I'm just I saying, was just saying five bucks here and there. Uh, hey, I'll put it down a pizza. I'm screwed. I need something to get my get my mind going. But I need to be on the opposite side of that for the happiness that I learned that at the Masters. 
Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Let's uh, let's do this. Let's take a break. Come back on the other side. Yesterday was golf's longest day, and it actually bled over into this morning uh, for Ricky Fowler. So we'll talk about that. Some of the other guys who qualified, Chris Goderup, uh, some of the local guys, a lot of stuff to get into in the next segment, talking U.S. Open qualifying from yesterday. Stay with us here on the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof, it is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at McRaeRoofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y Roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McRae Roofing for your free inspection today. back rolling along here on the 73rd hole the official podcast of golf oklahoma head over to GolfOklahoma.org for all of the best content covering every level of golf in the state of oklahoma follow us on twitter at the 73rd hole instagram 73rd hole uh gentlemen golf's longest day yesterday u.s Col- Open wait hold on hold on colby not yesterday i thought golf's longest day was sunday watching those two snooze fest golf tournaments we had to watch it was it was not a great sunday <laughs> it was not a great we sunday. had billy horschel and then obviously the u.s women's opens all always fun to watch but like it was really good last year at olympic Minji Lee just made it boring. she just ran away with yeah. it she just absolutely ran away with it so anyway uh yeah i mean it's golf tournaments are rarely interesting if they're blowouts on the back nine it's just it, it's yep. not nearly as much fun but uh yes that was golf's longest day uh and then yesterday it actually bled over into today so uh u.s open qualifying on the final day actually ended up lasting about 26 hours by wow. the time they were done in jupiter this morning uh for the alternate spots but uh yeah so some names of note we'll just kind of go through here uh jonas blixt back from the dead william meow from uh <laughs> Pepperdine made the uh, made it out of the Olympic Club. Actually, let's uh, go down here a little bit further. Uh, Grayson Murray, who's been in his Twitter spats with Kevin yep. Naw, he he made it. He qualified out of Woodmont Country Club in Maryland <laughs> on the range. And then how about Chris Gotterup? Chris Gotterup. Oh, Chris Gotterup. Yes, there it is. Well done. He he won outright the uh, his qualifier, which was in New York Century Country Club and Old Oaks. Country Club. Chris Goddard finished at three under, and he had a double late in his round. Wow. So Chris Goddard played some great golf wow. uh, to get in. Lonto Griffin qualified. Davis Riley qualified. Bogey free for 36 holes, by the way. Bogey Davis free, 36 Riley. holes, 11 under, 12 under. Lanto Griffin and Chan Kim uh, led that regional in Columbus. Denny McCarthy, who's been playing good golf, qualified out of that regional. Uh, looking for some others Sectional. here. 
Uh, sectional, yep. pardon me, sectional. <laughs> uh, I'm college golf. College golf on the brain, yeah. Uh, Bo Hostler, speaking of college golf, he uh, he qualified out of the Springfield, Ohio all regional. The range work. As did Sam Stevens. Sam Stevens, Sam how about Stevens. that? Sam Stevens, round of applause for Sam Stevens. The APT uh, GOAT. A couple more notables here. Show me Ben Lorenz for wow. 200, Bob. Yes, sir. Ben Lorenz makes it out of uh, Bend, Oregon Regional. Uh, let's see. Down in Dallas, Kirk Kitayama, Matthew Neesmith tied for the lead in that regional. Mackenzie Hughes advanced from that regional. Travis Vick, who clinched okay. the national championship for Texas last week. I wonder if he shook the guy's hands after he finished. <laughs> he qualified out of that regional. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, those are pretty much the notable names. But, uh, I mean, yeah, Chris Goderup, Sam, Sam Stevens, Ben Lorenz. Uh, and then I was saying Jupiter spilled over into this morning. They had to come back to compete for the alternate spot, and it was Ricky and two other guys, and Ricky birdied the fourth hole this morning. So Ricky's the first alternate out of the Jupiter um, out of the Jupiter sectional. I almost said regional again. I really wanted to. <laughs> uh, Taylor, what do you think about Goderup, Lorenz, and Sam Stevens all qualifying for the U.S. Open? Oh, it, it's just absolutely great, guys, to, to, see, to see the local guys. And, and I think we know all three of those guys as well. It's absolutely great great human beings as well. I mean, everyone's been raving about Goddard. It's going to be a top 10 player in the world at some point, so he might as well start now, and it's really good for to see him. You know, the last time we saw him, he got beat 7-5 and five and missed two putts uh, to potentially win the national championship, so for him to come out really next time after that and be able to make it through to the U.S. Open, absolutely exceptional, and then, you know, kind of going off what you were just saying there too, Colby, I mean, our man Ricky Fowler's the first alternate in the U.S. Open. I mean, that's just unbelievable to think about. I mean, this was a guy 2014 finished top five in every single major championship. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, we, he, he's, we're having to help players withdraw so he can even get in the tournament. He has to try to qualify. And it's, you know, and also, too, you know, like you mentioned, Davis Riley as well, probably one of the hottest players in golf right now, still on the qualifiers, kind of one of the beauties of the US Open. But really, what's great, guys, and I may be wrong on the name here, I think it was Keith Green, is who it was, was on the golf channel last night. And, you know, they were interviewing him, and man, this guy, he was a, he was a miniature struggle bus there for a while. And he just get on there interviewing. He's just bawling his eyes out, man. He can't help but be excited for him. And that's that's the beauty of this tournament is the fact of you can have guys who have you we've never heard their names before, or may never hear their names again. But they get such that thrill experience, and they can they can come in and say, "Hey, I played ten years of professional golf for a reason." Now, you know, before it was just try to chase six. Now you can play in one of the four biggest tournaments in golf, Woody. I think it's what makes the U.S. Open so special. Oh, I, I, you know what? The first time I ever qualified for one was out of Dallas, and it was special. I mean, I remember going to the Olympic Club in 1987, and at six o'clock in the morning when it's dark, and I'm warming up because I got a 6:45 tee time, and there's a bagpiper starts playing his bagpipes <laughs> in the fog, and I, I still get chills thinking about it and I, I, I love my caddy he looked at me and he said you know we're not in kansas anymore toto this is a real deal and i said yeah no shit it's a real deal this is <laughs> this is crazy so what, yeah do you i remember mean, what I, you had to shoot to get in that u.s open i'll tell you this i do remember i double bogeyed the very first hole of wow. the day wow and then i made i made uh, i think i went and made 10 birdies after that uh, so I finished eight under and finished second uh, behind a guy named Joel Edwards, who turned out to be one of my best friends on tour because neither one of us were on tour at the time when both of us qualified at that. And so, uh, yeah, it was pretty pretty crazy. And he and I were in the same group. So 
that's cool. Yeah, I, I, I do remember that. I double bogey the first hole. I never made another bogey and made eight or ten birdies and uh, got in. By the way, we did have a 57-year-old make it this year, Woody. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, Fran Quinn. Uh, just a classic one of those guys that uh, the TW talked about where, you know what, he he just uh, – he if you go and pull up his resume – I'm, I'm, he has played golf his whole life, literally, um, and never really, you know, he, I think he had some flashes of brilliance, but I don't know that he ever won anything of, of any major uh, consequences, uh, played the tour a little bit, I know that, uh, but that's what's so great about the U.S. Open, guys, uh, he's 57 years old, his son and him were qualifying at the same golf course, so... Uh, you know what? If you don't like golf, shame on you. You know what? Because it's got so many great storylines. And uh, I know people think it's a little boring, but if you dig into it, golf, it's fascinating to watch and uh, uh, just all the different storylines that come out of it. Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, it was cool to watch those guys come down the stretch yesterday. I was kind of following along on Twitter as Goddard was making his way down the stretch, rebounding from that double that he made late in his round. Uh, just awesome to see those guys moving on to the U.S. Open. Uh, should mention as well that uh, Chris Goddard won the Nicholas Award on top of the Haskins Award that he had already won down at Greyhawk. Just an unbelievable season for Chris Goddard. And big round of applause Coach Hibble down in Oklahoma won the Dave Williams Award as the National Coach of the Year. Very well Very deserved. Very well deserved, yep. Uh, you know, look, match play gets weird. Match play, a lot of things can happen. Oklahoma, throughout the season, was the best team in college golf. Yep. Chris Goddard was the best player in college golf. Ryan Hibble was the best coach in college golf. And it's nice to see them get recognized, Sam. By the way, one more college award. Earl Smith III won North Carolina A&T's Academic Athlete of the Year. You know who Earl Smith III is? That would be J.R. Smith. <laughs> J.R. Smith had a 4.0 GPA. Congrats to J.R. Smith, college golfer, uh, or let's see, uh, Academic Athlete of the Year. I mean, just a world-class guy. I mean, has he he's learned how to tell time? <laughs> Have they taught him how to tell time at North Carolina A&T? Have they taught him how to see what the score is to the game? Have they taught these two numbers are the same? Sign his scorecard. Do they put three numbers on a multiple choice, 100, 199, and say which one of these is different? Come on, JR. You guys, are, you, you guys are brutal. I mean, are you basically saying it's hard not to win the award because it's hard to fall out of a ditch? I mean, come on. No, good for JR Smith. He's, good for ta- he's Smith. talking about the end of that game, the yeah. famous game. Uh, yeah. I know what he's talking about. I just thought, well, he's come a long way. Look how intelligent he is now. Uh, is? Good for J.R. Smith. Seriously, good for him for going back to school. You, 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 you're out of school for a long time. You go back and get a degree. I admire that. So good for J.R. Smith. Uh, and guys, everybody, everybody needs to go see our friends at Quail Creek Bank. Quail Creek Bank, they will treat you like family. If you're looking, if you're a small business owner looking for a bank that understands your unique financial needs, Quail Creek Bank has got you covered. Their mission is to treat you as family. They consider their customers part of their family at Quail Creek Bank. 405-755-1000, 122nd and North May. Go see our friends at Quail Creek Bank. Uh, gentlemen, we've got some golf being played this week. What what else have I missed? Yesterday, I told you guys, 
I had covered golf via this podcast or the Golf Channel like 27 days in a row. So yesterday, there was a lot going on in the game of golf, and I just totally unplugged and just avoided all of it. I just needed a day with no golf. Is there anything I missed? Because I tried to catch myself up this morning, but I feel like I probably missed something. You've been uh, taking a break from golf, so let's do it too, because I got a question for Woody. Woody, did you see the cow in Oklahoma City yesterday roaming (laughs) the streets? (laughs) <laughs> I, I, it wasn't mine. I, I lose chickens, and every now and then my donkey gets out, but I I do not have any cows, so it's not mine, and no, I did not see that. <laughs> they had to bring in a real-life cowboy on horse and, and rope. Two. Two, two of them. Two of them. And, and, and lasso this cow to the, the, the best part, Woody, is at the end of the video, <laughs> so they're getting this cow, and the first guy lassos him up around his head, and the other guy's trying to get right. in position, and you just see this FedEx truck just, like, come and just, like, turn the corner. Misses the cow by, oh. like, five feet. It was hilarious. It, it wasn't oh. the greatest look for Oklahoma. It was. So, actually, Mayor wow. David Holt had a good tweet. Uh, Mayor David Holt, he's like, I spent all year trying to convince people that we don't ride horses in Oklahoma. And here's Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> Riding them down the hey, middle of the busy street. Let me tell you something. When you got a cow loose, I want a cowboy. I don't want a FedEx driver. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you could put them in the back of the FedEx truck once you've got them uh, gathered up and then ship them wherever you want. Well, now you run over him then, and the FedEx truck's total, but the cow's dead. Uh, which is That's a lose-lose. I need to know. I need to. I need to know more about the Cowboys. They brought. Did they bring in like like Casey and Rip from Yellowstone, or do we just bring in some <laughs> random ragglers off the street? I mean, what, do we bring in the five star Cowboys or the two star Cowboys? I'm not sure here, guys. Does anyone know anymore? Where did the horses come from? Well, I'm assuming so. They said it was somewhere down around I-40. I don't know exactly where, but I'm assuming that it came from the stockyards. And and made their way over. I mean, I don't know. It's like, did they have to ride their horse down the highway for like miles on end to get to this cow? So he was on like the little hey. service road on the side, but I I don't know, Woody. You guys, you guys, you're sounding. I hate to tell you all this, but you're, you're sounding dated and very young. <laughs> There's a lot of people with horses, and they got these things called a trailer. They put them in, and they move them around pretty quick in Oklahoma. There's a lot of horses. You guys need to get out of the city sometime. You need to come out here to my farm, and I'll I'll, I'll wrangle up one of my miniature horses and throw you on it and see how you do. Because you, you need to get a, a little more worldly. I, I've ridden horses several times. Several times. I well, enjoy riding horses. You know. But I guarantee you, they weren't rookies. If they lasted that thing, they were not rookies. Oh, uh, no, they were uh, they were legit cowboys because both of them, as far as we tell on the video, now who knows, they might have been trying to get this thing for a half hour before the video caught up. But as far as we saw on video, they got him around the head on the first try and they got him around the back feet on the first try. That's some yeah, good cowboys. They're, they're real. They're real. They're real cowboys. Because I, I, first off, I can't sit on a horse and even swing the lasso. Okay, so <laughs> they're real cowboys. I like, I like to imagine us having a listener in New York City listening to this conversation right now. Like, yeah, are, yeah, do they yeah. mean like an actual cowboy with yeah. an actual rope? Yes. Yeah, that's what <laughs> we actually mean. Real yeah. hat. And he's got a hat. Yeah. He's oh, got yeah. a nice big hat on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he's not Yellowstone. He's not Rip, okay? It's a real-life cowboy. <laughs> Guys, by the way, speaking of young horses, let's talk about Austin Eckert real quick. He was the sixth-to-last player to get in the field at the Advent Health Championship, um, and 
you know, three consecutive top 25 finishes uh, on the Corn Ferry Tour. So, you know, a guy that, you know, obviously we talk a lot about how he finished in the top five of PGA Tour U, uh, didn't necessarily get in the reshuffle because he used his sponsor's exemptions into the PGA Tour, not the Corn Ferry Tour, put himself behind the eight ball a little bit, but he's playing some really good golf again, three straight top 25s on the uh, Corn Ferry Tour. That's uh, big news for Austin Eckrup. Yeah, playing really good golf. I mean, there's a lot of guys, OU and OSU guys, young guys, playing good golf and uh, really starting to make their way to the PGA Tour. So, uh, all right, any any parting shots, Taylor? Anything we missed? Oh, of course you missed something, Colby. Gosh dang it, we talked about it for 10 minutes in the break. We got to talk about the, what the sponsors did for us this weekend. Gosh oh, dang, Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I, I t- uh, I'm telling you, I've been unplugged both uh, physically and mentally. So, <laughs> yeah, so did we forget something? Yeah, we've got probably the biggest thing in the show. So, <laughs> so just, want, just want to start out with, with the start of the week. So, on Friday... Our great friends from McCray Roofing had me and my dad out at Gallardia. What what great guys there, Jeff McCray. I mean, we, we went there and we saw the roof at Gallardia. They put the roof on themselves, probably the best roof in the state. So it was maybe, great maybe the see, country, maybe the country, Taylor. It, it very very possibly so, and you're probably right on that. So I, I want to say this. How about the hail a couple nights ago? Did you get hail? Hey, a couple mornings why ago. You need it. That's why you need to call McCray Roofing. Major so hail. I don't think I got hail. Did yeah, you? Like two days ago at nine in the morning, it just started hailing. Oh, like, no, I don't crazy. think. I, okay, I guess I didn't get it. <laughs> All right, anyways, go ahead, Taylor. So, I'll say this about Gallardia. All right, so we were up at the PJ Championship all week, and I think Gallardia is in as good a shape as Southern Hills was for the PJ Championship. It is, wow. there's not, there's maybe two blades of grass that are out of place. Um, so, it was absolutely stellar. Shout out McCray, Travis. Then on Sunday, we go down, me and Mr. Ken McLeod, we go play uh, Dorn and Kills Sunday morning. Um, Mr. Uh, good friend Derek Claiborne had us down out there, the head pro at Dorn. We had, a, we had a great time down there. And I, I want to say this kind of about what I saw from the course. I, I, I think the restoration that Tom Doak did at Dornick is better than the restoration that Gil Hans did at Southern Hills. I Whoa. think that it's nice. And, and, and I'll, I'll say this too. It, it's, you can definitely tell, obviously, Southern Hills had the massive budget putting in the sub air and all that. I'm talking more or less how the course has changed since the restoration because Dorrance now is an entirely different golf course. It truly is. You can, besides me who is hitting it all over the place, you can hit it just about anywhere you want on that course, but off the tee. But coming into the green, it is so much harder than it used to be, so much harder. They, they put elephant mounds on some of the greens. A lot of the greens now are severely two-tiered. They slope so hard a general direction. They actually didn't have the greens running that fast. But if they did have them fast with a little bit of wind, there's some pins guys that may, that may have been unplayable out there. It, it, it's back to what I think Perry Maxwell would have really wanted it to be. And, and so that's absolutely great for me. And then probably the most enjoyable experience of that deal was, and we'll have the interview I had with Mr. Tom Doak uh, on tomorrow's show, but, I got to walk the final three holes, 16, 17, and 18, which 16 and 17 are two best holes out there at Dornick. So I got to be able to talk with him a little bit, just kind of see what some of his thoughts were on doing some things. It seemed like most of the time, because he was, what he was, was he was following a group of people who worked for him um, and his crew and kind of all that. He was just out watching. And it seemed like any time I brought up something with the course, I was like, man, this is a really good idea. I thought this is cool. He's like, Man, that, that's a crew's job. You know, they, they did a great job on that. You know, he kind of got together and all that. So, very, very outstanding guy, Tom Doak, was being able to, you know, he wasn't taking a lot of the credit that was going on. He's a very modest guy, and I really appreciate that. But 
before I do that, guys, I got I got to I got to ask you, and I particularly want to ask Woody this because he's been around the block uh, a time or two when it comes to playing multiple courses. So, guys, my golf game now is absolutely atrocious. It it, it is so bad, it's <laughs> unbelievable. And like like I, I I can't hit the broadside of a barn. My swing's messed up. I know what's going on there. My short game's not where I need it to be. That's just practice. But there's something I need to ask y'all's opinion on. And like I said, I want to start with Woody. I cannot read a green anymore. I can't do it. I, I, I look behind the hole. I, the ball looks like it's going to do a certain thing. I, I look behind the ball, or I look behind the hole. It looks like it's going to do something different. I look behind the ball. It's going to do something entirely different. And then I hit the button. It does something different than the two reads that I saw. So, I don't know, Woody, what is the secret to reading greens? Because it seems like, from not playing multiple courses all the time, we get used to the greens that we play, and you know them because you've played it so many times. I do it at a course I haven't played, before, played in a long time, and I, I, I might as well have been Ray Charles out there trying to putt. It was unbelievably <laughs> fast. So, I mean, well, what, what is the secret to trying to learn to read these damn greens? I will tell you this. It, it don't feel bad because with the, a lot of these golf courses, when they redesign them, these guys are so good now in these bulldozers that, that they can put such a minute – break in a green that it's pretty doggone hard to read it so before you just beat yourself up too much um they're fine-tuning these greens where it's tough i will always say this anytime i was reading a green all i would ever try to do is look on the green and try to find out where does the water run off what part of the green does the water run off of that green and then i work from there back Okay, because they'll trick you. They'll they'll put a you know like you said they'll put a mogul in the middle of it or an elephant bottom in there, and they'll make the movement of the green go a different way. But if I can always find where the water is leaving the green, then I work my way back, and then that's when it gets tough, K Dub, because it they just put such like I said they're just so good now. There is one degree, two degrees of slope that the naked eye will not see. And the only way I can tell you is you got to play the golf course a few times before you figure it out. I'm sorry. T-Dub, speaking of the greens out at Dornick, does it still have one of the greatest putting contest greens uh, for the practice green of all time? Oh, yes, it absolutely does. Yeah, I did, didn't get to hit that many putts on the putting green. We kind of just went in, did a little bit of socializing. Me and Mr. Ken, we went to the first tee, dude. We were, we were ready to go. So we didn't have anyone in front of us. We coasted all day. But, yes, one of the best putting greens out there. One thing that's interesting, too, guys, is now, the, uh, the driving range, which is already short enough, because they brought the, the, the biggest changes they made were essentially the number one and number two. Um, so number one at Doring now kind of goes down the hill like it used to, but the green goes back up to the right. So it's not down by the pond anymore, the and there's not was, out of right? bounds. Yeah, so yeah, and the out of bounds isn't three feet away from the damn putting green. So a lot better change there. And number two now goes back, um, instead of hitting back into the, uh, the south wind, the south wind's out more of a crosswind because you're hitting from the, I guess, would be the east now. So, but but yeah, the driving range now is uh, is irons only, so you can't can't hit any woods or drivers out there because the one green goes up there now. So yeah, definitely uh, definitely changing the practicalities up down there. But what they did, guys, like I mentioned, and obviously the restoration of Southern Hills is great. I, I'm not gonna say that. I, I mentioned on the PJ shows a little. I could think you could add a little bit more to say, but I just love what what Tom Doak did down there, especially like I mentioned. With the green, it's an entirely different golf course. We're gonna to have to get down there again 
sometime this summer and play because I think you guys are going to be astonished, especially Colby, who had our great uh, runner-up in a uh, 5A state championship back in 2011. He's going to think this place looks way different. Yeah, I would like to get down there and play Dornick. I have two – I it's really one question. Um, are holes four and five still – Pretty much the same, mega uphill par three, dog leg left downhill par four, and then our whole 16 and 17, mostly still the same, par five going up the rocks, uh, up up the cliff, 17, par three coming down the cliff. So, so yeah, so number four now, I thought was a little bit interesting because it seemed to be one of the few greens that it seemed like there was actually a little bit of slope taking out. where it's, Because before it used to be a severely two-tiered green, and it's still mm-hmm. two-tiered. But it's more of a, a gradual slope kind of thing where it's, it's not one of those deals where you have to be on the bottom tier or the top tier. It's just more of an extremely hard back-to-front slope. Um, number five is almost the exact same hole. They changed, they changed the green complex. And the biggest thing, too, guys, the bunkering is a lot different around there now, too. So that's, that's kind of the biggest difference with five. There's only, I think, there may not even be a bunker up there anymore. There may be one on the right side. But I was like, sure, 16 and 17 drastically changed um 16 now there's there's two fairway bunkers that intersect right in the middle of the fairway at about 300 and probably 50 yards off the tee or so maybe 340 so generally a hole that's way downwind if if, if you get that way downwind a lot of these guys even playing the back tees you're gonna have to hit three wood or something or you're gonna have to take it to the right or left of the trees kind of speaking of 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 16 15 and 16 now almost share the same fairway. They've kind of taken out all oh. those trees that were to the left of 16 and to the right of, or I'm sorry, to the left, yeah, to the left of 15 and the left of 16, depending on the tee box. And sweep that all out so it's all clear. And, you know, I hit my drive pretty good. I had about 240 in on 16. I tried to go for it. I didn't even sniff it. It didn't even come close. Um, but, and the green now, it's a little bit more even to the right than it was. And they've shaved off a lot of what's on the back. So, I mean, I, I from where my, my third shot ended up, I had to hit – I had about 70 yards or whatever into, into the pin, and I, I hit it over the green. I almost hit it out of bounds, and I landed on the green. So it, it's extremely and, – and I had a pretty decent shot to be one of the few I hit of the day. So it, it's extremely challenging on, on that, especially if the wind gets up and down. And 17 now, guys, such a different hole, so much better in my opinion. The pond is completely gone. pond is not there anymore. And so they put a bunker now on that's on the left in the right front part of the green. I think it goes back to originally what Perry Maxwell had it designed to be because, guys, there was nothing more frustrating than being 100 feet up or whatever it is and, and hitting a good shot and getting a gust from the gods and coming up 30 yards short in the pond. It, no one likes that to happen. So now even if it does happen, you're in the bunker or you're short kind of in the little ditch area that it is now. And you have a tough shot, but you're not just absolutely excruciating penalized like you were before because it used to be a yellow hazard too, so you weren't able to take a club distance to club length. So – I, like I said, just kind of adding on to what the changes were. And like I said, guys, if you have not, if you played there how many ever years ago now and you ain't played there, you got to step up there and you're going to say, this is entirely different golf course. It's absolutely crazy. So it's hard to even compare to what it used to be. I just, I personally think that it's better now than it used to be. Interesting. I love going to Kills. Awesome. It's, it's a great golf course. I love playing it uh, in high school, and I can't wait to get down there again. Uh, great stuff from uh, from McCray, and then you and Ken going down there yesterday to Dorna Kills. Good stuff, gentlemen. We'll uh, do it again tomorrow. We'll talk. Uh, we've got a Tom Doak interview that Taylor did that we're going to play tomorrow yes, from Dorna Kills. Figured we'd split that up a little bit and run that out tomorrow. Uh, and then RBC Canadian Open this week. Really good field. Really good field in Canada the week before the U.S. Open. Uh, a lot of guys wanting to play and then make the short trip over to Brookline. So uh, all that coming up. 
Thanks for listening once again to the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. 